Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Am I wired for sound? Can you hear me? Yes. You'll notice that on your seats you'll have got a good news uh, newspaper. You should have yes. two. Yes. One for you and one to give to a friend. Yeah, good. Or if you haven't got any friends, leave it in a dentist uh, <laughs> room or a doctor's room or, or, or just give it to somebody who you know. So that's uh, some good news. We want those newspapers to go out far and wide because it tells us uh, about the good news of Jesus Christ. Yes. And we want to share it with our friends. So small groups, why don't you grab a bundle and just deliver it around your neighbourhood where you live? Uh, let's get groups together and just go out and just share this good news. So I hope you're feeling good this morning. I'm feeling a bit croaky. I'll have to forgive my croaky voice. I I think I've got man flu coming on. No, it's worse than that. (laughs) But I'm a big boy. I'm going to soldier on. Because I I just want to uh, welcome all the ladies here uh, this morning uh, uh, as we celebrate Mother's Day. And uh, please hear our heart. Because, you know, sometimes Mother's Day, it can be quite poignant if you've lost your mother or if you're not able to have children and we understand that but we really want to celebrate all the ladies in our congregation because there's something special when ladies get together you know I just want to leave you with a blessing this morning because I'm going to share about three ladies in the bible two were mothers and one wasn't but the one that wasn't really had a mother's heart for her nation I just hope that I can put it across in a way that you'll be able to understand. You see, I think that it's perhaps a wide generalisation. I'm making this wide sweeping statement. But you know, if mums get together and they start praying together and they start inviting other mums along, if you get the mum, then more often than not you get the children and then the partner of the father. You know, and that's what we want to do. We want to foster something within Arena Church where mums are getting together yes. to pray. I was lucky, I suppose, I had a good mum. Although she often confused me at times with the things that she used to say. Because when I was very little, I think she thought I was a contortionist. Because she used to say things like, just look at the dirt on the back of your neck. <laughs> <laughs> and when I got a bit older... I can remember mowing the lawn in flip-flops. I know it's not a wise thing to do, but mum said to me, if you chop your toes off in that lawnmower, lawnmower, don't you come running to me. (laughs) And she sort of like taught me about irony. You know, like, stop crying, or I'll give you something to cry about. (laughs) Well, I've already got something to cry about. And she taught me about religion. (laughs) You better pray that stain will come out of that carpet. Well, I want to start to, uh, with a Bible verse this morning because I, I, it's the foundation stone. And it's from Galatians 6, verses 7 to 10. And Paul writes this. Hopefully it'll be up. Yeah, it's on. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. 
So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. You know, over the last few weeks, we've been uh, uh, heard a series of talks on the blessed life. And I really believe that the blessing is coming. I know that many of you have been sowing good seed. And I believe that this year we're going to see a tremendous harvest. Some of the ladies have been through turmoil this year. Pain over the last few years through what's happened in your family life, work life, through relationship, through church. But you're still here. Not giving up. Refusing to quit. So I know God is going to, to release a harvest. His blessing. I know that because his word tells me so. Last week we had 235 people here as we had our joint service. And as we've been talking about the blessing, living a blessed life, I just want to share with something with you what happened after the service. A lot of people will not know this. But a man came to me and said, Paul, I just feel that I've got a word for somebody who sat in front of me, a lady, but I don't, obviously don't want to approach her. I want to come and submit this to the leadership of the church just see what you, you think. But I, I just really felt that this lady was going through a, a traumatic time and God told me that she'd had a real hard time and God wanted just to share with her that he's, she's not for, forsaken, she's, she's not forgotten, and that he's going to turn things around. So I said, well, who is this lady? So he pointed the lady out to me. Now, I knew this lady. And I knew what turmoil this lady had been going through. She'd been going through a tough time, a really tough time, especially, especially that weekend. So I called her across and I introduced one another. They'd seen each other in church, but I don't think they'd really, you know, talked before. And I said, are you okay with this man just praying with you? He said, yeah. And this man just laid his hands on this, this lady and started praying, saying, God's not forgotten you. You're going through hard times, but God has not forgotten you. God just wants to pour out his love for you. And, he just, and I just felt the Holy Spirit just moving. Oh, she was in tears. I had a lump in my throat. And then he said this. He said, not only do I, I just want to pray for you, but God has told me that I need to bless you financially. And he takes his wallet out and takes a handful of 20 pound notes and just gives it to me and says, Paul, well, I'm just submitting this to the leadership of the church. Can you give this to ladies? So I gave this to this lady and she just broke down in tears and she said, I've just been praying. I've just been praying, saying, God, I want to sow into the 2020 vision. But I've got no money. How can I do it? God answered the prayers. The blessing is coming. The blessing is coming. That happened in our church. It's not a story that we've heard of happening in somebody else's church. It's not a story that's happened in America and we've heard about it. This is happening in our church. The move of the Holy Spirit beginning to touch people's hearts so that they can then touch other people. So I just want to quickly recap on what we have learned over the last few weeks about blessing. Now I've just got this little uh, illustration here. I just need some volunteers from ladies. Why does anybody also got no eye contact from the ladies? <laughs> and uh, if you're listening, if you're listening uh, on podcast, um, you won't be able to see these uh, these four envelopes. But you ought to be at church, really, didn't you? Really, on the <laughs> podcast. So. It's your fault. So um, I'm just going to throw these balls into the audience. So if, I'll throw one over there. Catch it. Oh, right. One over there. Catch. Oh. 
that was a brilliant shot. I hit, hit the wife right on the top of her head. I said, <laughs> I said, ladies over here, somebody catch? Right. So I don't need you to come out. I just need you to grab the ball, pass it on to a lady. Have you found it? And what I need you to do, I've got it. Who's got the red ball? Red ball at the back. Leslie, just shout out a number. I don't want to influence your decision. I want you to shout out a number between three and five. Oh. No, that's cheating, isn't it? No. Shout, shout out a number between one and 16. 11. Okay, so you've chose, you've chose 11. So let's just count now. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. So you've chosen the yellow envelope, okay? Who's got the next ball? And shout out a number, Anne. Between 1 and 16. 6. So you want to, you want to choose 6. Okay, let's count now. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. So you've chosen the yellow envelope. Who's over here has got a ball? Oh, Helen. Seven. seven. You've chosen seven, have you? Are you sure you don't want to change your mind? <laughs> right. Okay. Are you sure? Well, go for seven then. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So you've also... Cho- okay. So everybody's chosen the yellow envelope. So in the, in the good game show host, let's see what you could have won. So you didn't choose the green envelope. So let's have a look what's in the green envelope. Oh. Possessions. Oh, right. So you've refused possessions. Material things. Money. You know, it's said that money can buy a house, but not a home. It can buy a bed, but not sleep. It can buy a clock, but not time. It can buy you a book, but not knowledge. It can buy you a position, but not respect. It can buy you medicine, but not health. It can buy you blood, but not life. It can buy you sex, but not love. So you see, money isn't everything. And it often causes pain and suffering. Now I tell you this, because I am your friend. And I want to take away your pain and suffering. So if you give me all your money, I'll... I'll... Now seriously, we know, we know, don't we? that money, possessions, going after all that stuff in life doesn't bring happiness. I read this in the Daily Telegraph some time ago, and it's uh, written by Fred Baker, and he was 64 years of age, and he was one of the syndicates of elderly people who shared one of the first lottery wins. And after this, he said this, but after the group of friends won over £200,000 each, they stopped getting together. Mr. Baker said, we used to meet two or three times a week and dream about what we would spend our money on if we ever we won. But when we won, we stopped. Since I won the money, I've been more lonely than ever before. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. But you didn't choose possessions. You didn't choose the red envelope either. Let's see what's in the red envelope. Ooh. Pride, power, position, esteem. There we go. Oh. Fame, fortune. 
being the king of the castle, being number one, having everyone look up to them. Freddie Mercury, I went to see the film Bohemian Rhapsody uh, about the life story of Freddie Mercury, who was a lead singer of Queen. Very interesting. Freddie Mercury, lead singer uh, with, Queen, with the Queen rock group, died at the end of 1991. He wrote in one of his last songs on the Miracle album, does anybody know what we are living for? In spite of the fact that he had amassed a huge fortune and attracted hundreds of thousands of loyal fans, he admitted in the interview shortly before his death that he was desperately lonely. He said these words, you can have everything in the world and still be the loneliest man. And that is the most bitter type of loneliness. Success has brought me world idolisation and millions of pounds, but it has prevented me from having the one thing we all need, a loving, ongoing relationship. He was right to speak of loving, ongoing relationship as the one thing we all need. Yet no human relationship will satisfy entirely because we were, con- uh, we were made, created, to live in an ongoing relationship with God, yeah. our creator. Pride, power, fame, fame and fortune are not the answer to our needs. The Bible says in Matthew, whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be the first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. What else didn't you choose? You didn't choose the blue envelope. What's in the blue envelope? Ooh. Promiscuity. Ooh. You know, very often in church circles, we don't like to talk about sex. It's a big thing. It's a big problem. I read in a Daily Mail article only yesterday, on, sorry, on Friday, uh, we went for a coffee with Liz and just opened the Daily Mail and it said there that the Metropolitan Police, the biggest police force in our, in our country, are overwhelmed and unable to cope with the amount of internet child sex cases they are currently dealing with. Overwhelmed. Society is a big misconception that if you are not promiscuous, then you are missing out on life. So many young people searching for love in a meaningful relationship fall into the trap by thinking that by having sex, they will win the heart of someone. And they feel empty, used, abandoned when they are no longer loved. The Bible says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against their own body. But you ladies didn't choose the blue envelope. You chose the yellow envelope. All three of you chose the yellow envelope. Let's see what's in here. Oh. Peace of God. Isn't that amazing? The peace of God, the peace that passes all understanding, is so much more than the absence of conflict in your life. It is all about knowing who you are in Christ. It is about having a fullness and abundance of life. It is knowing that whatever storms you face in life, that God is there for you to help you, to strengthen you, to comfort, to provide for you. A certainty that he will never leave you or forsake you. God so loved you that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die a painful death on the cross. His body broken, bruised, blooded. To make a way where there seemed to be no way back into a relationship with God. In Jesus we find life where previously there had been guilt, addiction, fear, emptiness and the prospect of a lonely death. Jesus offers eternal life. An ongoing relationship with God. In the Bible, in John 10.10 it says, I have come that they may have life, they may have it more abundantly. 
Jesus is the only one who can bring happiness money can't buy. Jesus can be the closest friend you have always wanted. Jesus can give you a sense of purpose and fill the vacuum in the emptiest life. I just want to share very quickly, time's going so quick, about three ladies in the Bible. The first one I want to talk about is, you can read the story in 1 Kings chapter 17. It tells the story of Elijah. And God tells him to go to a certain place. And he went to this village and he, he meets this lady and he says, can you give me a, a glass of water? And he says, yes. And they, oh, why should they, can you make me a cake? And she turns around to him and says, I'm sorry, there's a famine in the land. I have only got a small amount of flour and a small amount of oil just to make a cake, just enough for me and my son. And once we've eaten, that's it, we'll die. And Elijah says to her, well, make me a cake and the flour will never run out and the oil will never run out until the famine ceases. So she does that. She provides him with a cake and sure enough, the flour and the oil just never run out. They've always got enough to eat. Now that's a blessing, isn't it? That is a real blessing. But we shouldn't be surprised at that blessing because when we say our, our prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, give us today our daily bread. That's who God is. That's what he does. So although it was a blessing, it wasn't the blessing. So let's read on. Let's just see what happens. Verse 17. Later on, the woman's son became sick. The sickness took a turn for the worse and then he stopped breathing. The woman said to Elijah, why did you ever show up here in the first place? A holy man barging in, exposing my sins and killing my son. Elijah said, hand me your son. He then took him from her bosom, carried him up to the loft where he was staying and laid him on the bed. Then he prayed, oh God, my God, why you've brought this terrible thing on this widow was opened her home to me. Why have you killed her son? Three times he stretched himself out, full length on the boy, praying with all his might. God, my God, put breath back into the boy's body. And God listened to Elijah's prayer and put breath back into his body. The woman said, I see it now. You are a holy man. When you speak, God speaks. It's a true word. That was the blessing. Oh, can you imagine what that woman was going through? Oh, she was faithful in her generosity by giving the little she had. And she was blessed more than she could have hoped for. All the money, all the power, all the possessions meant nothing to her when she was holding her son in her arms who wasn't breathing. All that power, everything in this life meant nothing to her until God moved and brought the blessing. A similar story in 2 Kings 4 tells the story about Elisha. Not Elijah, Elisha. Elisha was Elijah's protege. And he too happened one day, uh, went to Shunem. And there was a notable woman there. She persuaded him to have some food. And she said to her husband, this man of God keeps walking past, keeps coming past our house. Why don't we build him a house, a little room where he can stay? And so they built him a little room and got a table and chair and bed and Every time the man of God comes by, he stops there. And the man of God says to this woman, he says, uh, I've noticed that you've basically not, you're childless. And she says, yes, I can't have children. And he said, this year, this time next year, you'll have a child. And lo and behold, she gave a child. That's a blessing, isn't it? Yeah. But it wasn't the blessing. <laughs> because as the child grew up, 
The story goes on to say that he went into the field with the father one day and complained, he said, my head, my head. And so they take the child back to the mother. And the mother rocks the baby, this, this child in, in her lap and the child stops breathing. The child is dead. Wow. All the money in the world, all the possessions, fame, it means nothing to this woman now, does it? And there she is with this, with her son. So what she does, she goes into the room of the man of God and lays the son down on the bed and closes the door behind her. And the servants say, What's that? all is well. Her husband comes to her and says, is everything, yeah, all is well. She doesn't proclaim that her son has died because she's got to get to the man of God. In her need, in her desperate need, she realises the only place she can go to for help is God. You know, sometimes in our life there are times where we need to close the door uh, uh, for those people who mean the best for us, who who often think that they've got the best advice or solution to our problems, but sometimes we just need to close the door on that situation and go straight to God. And of course, Elisha comes, lays down on this boy, breathes life into him again, and hands back the son. That's the blessing. The third story about a a young lady story of Esther she wasn't a mother but she had a mother's heart she had a mother's heart for her people, her nation came to pass in the, in the days of King Asuras who reigned over 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia Esther was his queen and she was raised by a guy, a Jew by the name of Mordecai and she was very beautiful But you must understand there's a situation here where the king had this inner court and nobody was allowed to go and approach the king unless he had told the people to come. Anybody who came into that that throne room, the king could have killed if he didn't find favour with him. Now there was a man called Haman who despised Mordecai and despised the Jews. And he was a devious man because he was full of pride and power he was full of wanting to gain possessions for himself and so he deceived the king and he he, he manipulated him into making a decree to say that on a day soon all the people all the Jews would be killed all the men the women and the children would be killed and all the money all the possessions they, they took would go to the king That's what Haman had plotted because he despised Mordecai. Mordecai understood this and heard about it, so he he got a message to Queen Queen Esther and said, you know, this is what's going to happen. Queen Esther says this. It's in verse 13. Mordecai said, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from the Jews from another place, but you, your father's house, will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them 
to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews who are present in Sushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I, my women, my ladies and I, will also fast for three days. And I will go to the king, which is against the law. But if I perish, I perish. Ladies, there's something that happens when you get together to pray and fast for children. Oh, she understood this. Esther was not, was not a mother herself, but she had a mother's heart for her nation. She didn't want to see her family, her, uh, the nation, the Jews, being killed and destroyed. And so she got together with her ladies to pray and fast. And if you know the story, Queen takes that big risk by going into the inner court of the king's palace... And when the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house, facing the entrance, he saw Queen Esther standing in the court. And she found favour in his sight. And he he reached out with a golden scepter. She came and touched it. She found favour. Let me tell you, ladies, you can walk into the throne room of God this morning. You can plead your case for your children. The Metropolitan Police are underwhelmed, overwhelmed by the, the number of sex child case abuses. Knife crime is... Every time you turn on the news, open the newspaper, knife crime is on the rise. The police don't know how to deal with it. Parliament don't know how to deal with it. But when ladies get together, when they find the favour of God, when they come together and say, Lord, we want to pray for our children, or there's no more powerful powerful, potent, powerful force than when ladies get together, when mothers get together to pray for their children. Yeah. Or we know if a burglar breaks into the house, the men will be there and, you know. But there's something about women. There's something about ladies getting together and praying together. Oh, demons tremble. Demons back off when ladies dare to get into the throne room of God. You've got God's favour. You've got God's favour through what Jesus Christ has already done on the cross. All this morning, ladies, some of you really need to get together. You need to get together in prayer and pray for your children like you've never prayed before. You need to pray for this community like we've never prayed before. Pray for this nation. We are going through turbulent times. Wow, time has almost beaten me. Can we just have the worship leaders up and just begin to just play something just quietly. I think you've got an amazing opportunity this morning. Because I can sum all this, what we've been talking about, the harvest, the crop, the blessing is about yet to come. You know, when it's, when it's touching your heart, when you're heartbroken because of the turmoil that you're going through and you don't know what to do. This is what happens when the mother turns around to God and says, God, what must I do to get a blessing and in this situation, God will turn around and say, Give me your family. So the mother gives the family over to God and says, what shall I do now? And God says, give me your career, your work. And so you say, God, it's yours. (laughs) What now? God says, give me all your money. So it's all yours, God. It's all yours. It's all yours. What now? And then God just looks to his right hand side. And there is Jesus 
with those nail-scarred hands. Those nail-scarred hands that can reach out through all the turmoil, through all the storms in your life and say, be still. Those nail-scarred hands that can turn to the leper, the untouchable, and say, you are healed. Those nail-scarred hands that want to embrace the addicted, the lonely, the broken-hearted, and say, come, you are part of my family. And what happens is Jesus takes all this stuff and hands it back and says, look after these for me. Because God doesn't want to take anything away from your life. He wants to give you more and more abundantly. I think this morning that God is speaking to one or two people. This morning, whatever you're going through, the peace of God, you can choose that. You can choose the peace of God and reject everything else.